Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. I believe everyone has a story, and on this podcast, we give a voice to women whose stories are meaningful, moving, and compelling. We share their stories so that in their shining, they give permission to the rest of the world to shine as well. One of my favorite people on the planet certainly owns her story, and she's very funny. She's very smart. She's a damn good cook, and I'm proud to call her my friend. She's quite the professional uh, person in my life. She gives me tons of advice, and I want to introduce her to you today. Her name is Allison Nesbaum. Allison, thank you for being here. Susan, thank you very much for doing this with me and inviting me to participate. I am blushing wildly at that introduction. <laughs> I, you know, everybody who knows me knows that I'm open, honest, and direct. Sometimes it's to a fault, but I tell it like it is. Um, I may have heard that a thing or two, a time or two about myself as well. <laughs> I love it. Probably one of the reasons we connect so well. So tell everybody else a little bit about you. I know you, but tell the world a little bit about yourself. Well, you know, um, there's, there's not that much to tell. I don't know. Um, I don't think I'm all that interesting of a person. Um, She's I, uh, <laughs> I, I am a, um, a fully recovered lawyer who ended up uh, working in law firm business development and then in tech. Um, and in tech, I worked in client success and engagement. Um, and I got there by, you know, a pretty circuitous route, which I have found, especially with a lot of women, um, is how it happens that, you know, we're very, we tend to be very open to organic change um, and kind of listening to the possibilities and opportunities that are out there. And so, you know, I went to law school after having had a career in sales. And when I got out of law school, there were very few law jobs to be had. So I decided to go back to sales, which then you know, led me through a phase of my career uh, until I got to a point where I had been on the road selling for a long time. And I went to a very trusted client and asked her what I should be doing next. And she said, come work at my law firm and teach my lawyers to sell. Wow. And the rest is kind of history. Do you mind if I ask you a quick question about that? I love that. So what strikes me, first of all, is most lawyers and most legal business development directors, managers, what have you, have never sold anything. So mm -hmm. I love that you have the real life experience, hands-on, having done it. And then the other thing that struck me about your comments is, you went to a woman and asked, you know, what should I be doing? And she said, come work with me. And that's proof right there that we are open to organic or, or new ideas or taking a little risk and giving other women chances. I love this story. Um, so I thought I knew you, I didn't know all of that. So this is always very exciting when I learn new things about existing friends in the business. So Tell us a little bit about your time in sales. What did you sell? And then I want to know a little bit about how you transitioned from BD and legal into the technology world, because we work a lot with women in technology, and it's a vicious world. Uh, so out of college, like, you know, so many of us liberal arts majors, 
um, I had absolutely no idea what to do for a job when I, when I finished. And both my parents had been in sales. So I thought, well, I've seen what sales looks like. I'm a pretty outgoing person. I'm a fast learner. Uh, I'm going to apply for a sales job. And I ended up at probably the best place you could end up in those days as a young salesperson. I ended up at Xerox Corporation. Wow. And I like to tell people that I got an MBA in sales from my three and something years at Xerox. They put us through 12 weeks of sales training before they let us loose into the field. And then every year we were sent to the Xerox training facility in Virginia for another week of advanced sales training. Um, so I consider myself to be incredibly fortunate to have had that foundation uh, in sales and sales theory, right? And sales, right. Um, right, sales management training. Very few people have been able to have that experience, especially at you know the ripe old age of 23. So it's really formative for me. Um, and so I did that for a number of years before deciding to go to law school. And I decided to go to law school uh, a bit on a whim. Um, I had gone to Georgetown University. I would say half of my graduating class went to law school. When I, <laughs> thank you. When I got out, I thought, oh, I don't want to be like them. I don't want to go to law school. And that's partly why I took the path that I did. Uh, but I was selling to law firms uh, at Xerox. And I remember having this epiphany one day that um, there had to be more to life than dragging a little typewriter or fax machine or copy machine on a cart around Washington, D.C. And those <laughs> law firms look like really good places to work. So I'm going to go to law school. That's awesome. That is awesome. I want to say something that my cheeks are burning because you make me laugh so much. Um, but I was sitting here thinking, you know, Xerox is sort of like, you know, that is the ultimate sales university. I mean, you go there, you do learn not only theory, but application. And most places they try to teach you application without theory. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Xerox is, is holistically a great place to learn how to sell and to sell well and to sell in a client centric way. And I think it's, it's even harder sometimes to sell because, you know, you're limited with what you're selling in that, in, mm -hmm. you know, in the Xerox world, it's, it's product, you know? Right. So, yeah. So you can't get quite as creative as you would in legal or in professional services where you're selling an intangible. So that's pretty darn impressive lady. Mm -hmm. um, tell me, go ahead and tell me some more. Cause I want to hear how you got to where you were in uh, the law firm. And then from there to tech. Yeah, so after going to law school, as I said before, I, I got out of law school in what was probably the first law firm recession, right? Um, I live in the Boston area. We had a fairly large um, old school firm go out of business the year that I graduated. It put hundreds of associates into the marketplace and they were um, willing to take jobs basically to, to roll back their careers. So there were very few uh, law jobs available at the time. And, you know, being 
um, of, of all things, I get described as uh, very practical. Uh, being a very practical person, I sat there and said, okay, now I've got this law degree um, and I have sales experience, the likes of which most lawyers don't. So what am I gonna do with this? And I applied to Westlaw and Lexus, two places. Uh, Lexus called me first. Uh, in fact, they called me on the day I was taking the bar exam. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, and two weeks later, I started to work at LexisNexis. Um, I thought that I would do it for a year or two and then go be a lawyer. And what I discovered very quickly was that I really enjoyed the business of, of law firms, that um, I found them very interesting business models. I found everybody that I met, whether they were you know, lawyers in the firm, um, librarians, IT people, marketers, I, I found them interesting. I found their work very interesting. And as a result, um, I ended up staying at Lexus for seven years. Wow. And I, I started as a salesperson. I worked my way up to being a regional sales manager. Um, we had a little reorg at Xerox, uh, Xerox at Lexus. Yeah. Um, and I found myself needing to make a career transition, uh, which is when I went to work at, at Interaction, um, then known as Interface Software. So that was my first foray into tech. Um, and it was probably the step in my career that sealed the deal that I was never going to be a practicing lawyer. And that it was the beginning of my interest in this intersection of tech and sales in the law firm context. Which is very much where it's at, you know, like that's the MarTech intersection is, uh, you know, in legal ops and how can technology help grow and protect your business or firm or business of law, we should say. That's, that's where it's at. So I want to say one quick thing about the LexisNexis uh, Westlaw choice that you had. Um, good for you that you had those choices. Those big companies do help a lot of people cut their teeth. And like you said, you thought you'd be there only a couple of years, but wow, you stayed a long time, became a regional sales manager. That's incredible. That takes transforma transformational leadership skills, which I personally know you have. Um, but I also wanted to say that those companies are famous for those, uh-oh, it's fall time, time to reorg. <laughs> you know, both of those companies do that often. Um, so, but still great that you've had now two powerhouse uh, sales training and application backgrounds, you know, with Xerox and LexisNexis. So that's awesome. So take me, carry on. I, I don't want to keep interrupting, but I, I, I love your story and I like to interject a little bit about what it strikes in me when you tell your story. So, you know, the interesting thing about that, that reorg moment was I was faced along with my family with some choices. And one of the choices was to stay at Lexus, which was a place where you know, I had made my professional home for a long time and where I was very comfortable, but it would have required relocating to a part of the country that we decided you know, we were not interested to go. And it was a very, very hard decision uh, to make because I left behind um, a lot of relationships, not just, you know, with my coworkers, but also with clients, or I thought I was going to leave those relationships behind. 
But the interesting turn of events was that when I went to Interaction, which was a much smaller company, so Susan, understand, I went from working at Xerox, which I have no idea how big it was back then, to Lexus, which was you know really big. And while I was there, we had been acquired by Reed Elsevier, so got even bigger, right. to Interaction, which at the time was about 100 people. And... I was scared to death. What am I, what am I doing here? Right. I, I don't think I even knew fully what like an early stage company was. Like, yeah. I, I'm not sure I understood those things. My sophistication about that type of business was, was still minimal. My understanding of them. Um, I had always worked, you know, for big companies and very big um, paternalistic type companies. Yeah. So I arrived at Interaction, you know, sort of, you know, starry-eyed, maybe even a little glassy-eyed. Um, and within weeks, I knew that I had made not just a great decision because it was a good job, but I had made a great decision because, again, it was pivoting me to something new and something different, but yet in a pretty familiar way. As it turned out, so many of my clients from Lexus were again my clients at Interaction. Nice. And, you know, I started there as a salesperson. And by then I had gone through so many different sales training programs. I did spin at Xerox. I did PSS <laughs> and solution selling, right, at yeah. Lexus. And now I was at this small company where it was pretty freewheeling and I had to put all those skills, right? I, I, I had to put them all to the test. I had to figure out how to integrate all of that to sell a product, a CRM to law firms at a time. And I need to take the listeners back, you know. CRM was not commonly known back right. then. They not just in legal. Would you say they didn't even know how to spell CRM? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, there was no sales force back then, right? Okay. There, there was nothing. I, I got to tell you something. We're talking about the days when, you know, I was still running around cities looking for a place to connect my laptop to a wall. Yeah. Um, right. The world was still kind of dialed. Right. <laughs> right. I remember. So, okay. So, so this was like, this was revolutionary. This wasn't yeah. evolutionary. This was revolutionary. We were asking law firms to do things that, you know, these these guys were just barely, you know, networked their computers a couple of years before, right? And now we're asking them to share their contacts right. and do, you know, client relationship management. And so um, it was the most valuable learning experience that I could possibly have been handed. And um, after about a year and a half there, um, I was promoted to um, national account manager. And wow, that's I fast. Was, well, and I wanted, well, remember we were little, we were growing really fast. Roles are very fluid. You wore a lot of hats. Right. But I do want to tell this story of how I 
got there because I think it's instructive for, for everybody, not just women, but for everybody. And as I've grown in my career, I use this experience a lot. So after about a year and a half at Interaction, I was getting restless. I was realizing that I was not a hunter by nature, that I do better and bring my best self to a workplace when I am doing account management. And so I went looking for another job. I just sort of said, well, you know, these guys don't have account managers. Um, I'm going to go find myself an account manager job. I, I don't want to hunt anymore. I want to be a farmer. Yeah. And so I tendered my resignation to our CEO. And he said to me words that will resonate in my head forever. He said, I wish you had told me that you were unhappy because we would have done something about it. And he said the magic words, which were, is it too late? And at that point I said, yeah, it is too late. Um, (coughs) Excuse me, I'm supposed to start at this other job in two weeks and I've given my word. And he said, well, just do me a favor, you know, think about it. And the the little aside to this story is I was actually having this conversation, standing out on my deck. I had 15 of my then, you know, I think 10-year-old daughter's friends, like out out there, they're all screaming and yelling. And I'm thinking, oh my God, what what am I doing here? (laughs) Why am I having this conversation right this minute? So anyway, I, I did think about it. And I realized I had absolutely nothing to lose by telling him what I really wanted. And so I did. And he said, give me 24 hours. And he made it happen. Oh my gosh. And the moral of that story is nobody knows what you want unless you tell them. And nobody can fix a problem that they don't know about. And you will never get anything if you don't ask. And by the way, that last bit, you would have thought that after all the years of me selling, I, I would really have known that. You know, if you don't ask for the clothes, you don't get the clothes. Um, but he, he made it happen. And I ended up staying there, you know, several more years. And they created that national account manager role for me. And it was, it was a terrific job. And I credit the CEO I credit Nate Feinberg for that moment that didn't just change that job, but it changed the way that from that day forward, I think about career. Right. And, and, and understanding what it is that you need and understanding that give and take between employer and employee. I think too often people are afraid to say that there's a problem. I think too often people are afraid to say what they need. And again, nobody can fix a problem that they don't know about. I love this story for so many reasons. Well, first of all, you're talking about courage. You had the courage to go ahead and he had the courage to tell you that, you know, but then you had the courage to say, you know what, 
I'm going to walk away from this new opportunity because I'm going to honor this person who's giving me an opportunity where I'm familiar. And it's not like you didn't love the company. You just didn't love your role, but wow, what a great example of how we need to make the ask men or women mm -hmm. need to make the ask. I know women um, are said to do it less that less often than men. Um, but I don't know. I have to check my recent stats on that. I don't think that's true. I think they just don't get it as often as men. Um, I, I do think they make the ask. So what a, what a wonderful story. And I'll tell you, Allison, um, I was your client three times. <laughs> I've used interaction <laughs> at three different firms. Um, it was revolutionary. It was something that we were like, wait, what is this? It's going to connect with our clients. And here our attorneys were not even letting go of their Rolodexes, you know, <laughs> it's like they want our contacts. What? Um, but how wonderful that you were a part of that. That's incredible. And what a good, good story, a good example that uh, we have to have grace, but also grit and make Indeed. the ask. Indeed. And you know what? Um, that situation, because I didn't have courage. If I had really had courage, I would have gone to him first. He gave, he gave me permission to have courage, but he also gave me wings because, um, because I've taken that with me and I've shared this story with a lot of people. And I hope that, um, you know, I've paid it forward because uh, I think that people do suffer in the workplace because they are afraid to say what would make it better for I, fear of a bad outcome, right? For fear of a bad outcome. I agree. I think that really, truly the reason you leave your job is the boss. And in your case, it wasn't that. So you have to have the courage to speak to this person who has made him or herself available to mm -hmm. you as a confidant, a resource, a mentor, and even some cases a sponsor. So that's fantastic that you had that kind of relationship and that they valued you. He valued you enough to say, tell me what you want. Give me 24 hours. Let's see what we can do. And then I do believe you had a lot of courage to tell this new company, you know what? I've decided I'll stay. <laughs> that was, oh, that uh, was, a, that was not the, 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 the best conversation I've ever had in my life. <laughs> It was, uh, it was it was very uncomfortable um it, they were very understanding but it was uncomfortable sure. um, but you know what um the person who i had to tell i i still see quite a bit we've oh, remained wow friends. oh yeah we've remained friends over the years and his attitude was these things happen it's okay it's a job right? You were um, in that position where you're saying, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's so true. Um, but you know, you just said something and it, I think it, it hits a point. As when we move into positions of management, leadership, whatever we want to call it, um, I think it's so critically important that we make ourselves open to those conversations and that's my takeaway from that was was twofold right my takeaway was i need to learn to speak up i need to find my voice and the second takeaway was i need to give voice to others i need to make sure that they know that they can tell me and that there won't be a bad outcome because they are frustrated or want to change their role or have an idea and they're not sure how it's going to fly 
Right. So I've tried very hard. I don't always succeed, uh, but I've tried very hard to be that, that open person. I think you just described, regardless of title, I think you just described the difference between a manager and a leader. Maybe so. Yeah. A maybe leader so. is open to hearing from his or her team on what works and what doesn't work or what they wish would be different than it is. So mm -hmm. um, I love that. I love it. Well, you've had a ton of great um, successes. I know that we've mm -hmm. all had our ups and downs, but you've had a lot of great success. Tell us what has been your proudest professional accomplishment. You know, it's funny because I, I have been giving a lot of thought to this lately as I've been, you know, reflecting on my career and what I want these next few years of my career to look like. My proudest professional accomplishment happened um, at Monzama. So after I left Interaction, I, I went and worked in law firm business development for seven years. Um, I learned an awful lot about what it was like to work on the inside, which was just invaluable experience, yes. absolutely priceless experience. But then I went to an even smaller tech company that, than Interaction. I went to Monzama. I think I was roughly employee 13. Um, <laughs> my friends thought I had lost my mind. I was leaving an Amlaw 50 law firm to go to this startup. And now I really knew what startups were about. And, um, and, and, I'm really proud of myself for there I did have courage um, to take a leap. But I was there for seven years and I moved through several jobs there and I ended um, my time there the last, I guess, four or five years that I was there, I was chief client officer. I was the person um, who ran our support team and, and we had a fantastic client success team. And my proudest professional accomplishment is that team, the team that we made while I was there. And I, I'm so proud of that team because we built something from nothing together. It was, you know, everybody into the deep end, hope you can swim. And we all not only swam, but we swam in sync. And we were all together in this. Um, you know, when you start out with 13 employees, and I don't know, I think it was maybe 15 clients. By the time I left, you know, we had like 170, 180 clients. So that's a lot of growth over, over those years. And we built a lot of programs, we built a lot of processes, we did a lot of great things but everything that we did was with the client in mind. Everything we did, we'd stop and say, how does this affect the client? Does this make things easier for the client? Does this make things better for the client? How can we help them to gain more value from, from what they have invested in with us? They've put their trust in us. Uh, what can we do for them? And I worked with this group of incredibly like-minded, passionate people who really across the board, not just the client-facing teams, but everybody there, um, we, 
we brought our authentic selves to work every day in service of our clients. And that is absolutely my proudest professional achievement, what we accomplished there. So I want to say something, folks. Um, she tells no lie there. So that's when I got to know you and the Manzama team. And I loved Manzama. I was a client of Manzama as well. And I have to say, you were the true example of what being a trusted advisor or a partner with your client looks like because you always found out what was important to me first. And then you framed your discussion around that rather than trying to pitch something that was fixed and un unchangeable or unmovable immovable is the word. Um, it was really great. I love all the folks I know from Manzama. The tool is fantastic. I know it sounds like a commercial for them, but I'm not getting paid anything folks, but it's an amazing tool. And, and the thing that makes it even more amazing is the client service. So I would say the people of Manzama are as valuable as the tool itself, the solution itself. Um, so thank you for that, Allison. I would agree that if that is in fact your proudest professional accomplishment, I get it. You're a great team leader. You're a good motivator. You're an inspiration just by your being so authentic. You know, you're open and honest and uh, people can listen to your story and learn from you. And then they can also just sit back and watch you and you lead by example. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, and that's when you came into my life, frankly. So yay, Manzama. <laughs> yay. <laughs> And, well, and I want to ask, who's been your mentor? I mean, you've had probably several, but um, who comes to mind? So um, I have had several over the years. And, and it's interesting because I don't think I've ever had, you know, some people have kind of official mentoring, right, relationships right. with people. I'm not sure that I've, I've ever had that. But I, I, I told, uh, the, at the beginning of this conversation, I told you about how I made the transition from, you know, working in tech to going into law firms. And um, the person who um, helped me make that transition is a woman named Jasmine Trillius Uh She is currently the chief, uh, I think her title is chief client officer, but she I might have that wrong, <laughs> at Cool Reeves in, in Seattle. I and, love her, by the way. I love, love, love her. And, you know, she has been so formative um, for me, such a great influence on my career. And the reason has been that I learned from Jasmine, um, first of all, where I said, you know, I started to find my voice when I worked at Interaction. I I continued to learn to find my authentic voice when I worked with her and for her. But what I really realized is teams function best when people complement each other, when we complement each other's strengths and weaknesses. And so where I was weak, she was strong. And possibly vice versa. I'm not sure about that. Um, but we, I learned from her to rely on your team and to um, give people room to grow and to give people opportunities to grow and also to be fiercely loyal she is that one's team sure. and 
to be the backstop when necessary between an obstacle or something that's not going well, right? To, to be a facilitator when there was an obstacle, to be a backstop when there was a problem, to be a person who didn't just solve everybody's problems, but tried to figure out what they were and put them on a path. I, I'm probably not articulating this very well, um, but I, I learned so, so much from her and I continue to, to this day. So I'm, it was a really, uh, it's a really fortunate turn of events for me that this person who had been my client, right, ended up being, you know, uh, my boss, um, and ended up also being really my mentor. She is an incredible person. So, folks, I know Jasmine as well. The person that Allison's referring to, um, the person whom Allison is referring to, I should say. And she is an incredible leader. She is clearly a transformative leader. She does collaborate. She listens to her team. She's very much, um, you know, she takes it in, processes it, and then out comes some amazing solution. Um, not only does she solve, solve problems with solutions, but I think she's quite preventive as well. She's a critical thinker. She'll, she'll ruminate on something. And she'll um, prevent problems from happening. So that that too is a great leadership skill. So and and lastly, you two look exactly alike. I swear, I'm sure people tell you that, but um, well, Allison and Jasmine, yeah. it, it's it's almost like married couples. You know, you kind of grow to look alike. <laughs> oh my goodness, y'all are so funny. I love the two of you, both of you, for so many reasons, both personally and professionally. You're fantastic. Uh, friends and examples of what leadership looks like. So um, yeah, that was really nice of you to give her that shout out. And if she's your mentor, has been a mentor among many in your life, I can totally see why, totally. Um, well, you know that on that note, I always, in my business model, believe in lifting women in business because we don't always get the fair shot. You know, even if we're qualified or capable, you know, performance evaluations might show similar outcomes. But if there's a woman's name on the top and a man's mm -hmm. name on the other uh, sheet or performance evaluation, he's going to get the pay raise. He's going to get the promotion. He's going to get the new title. So that being said, what do you think we can do to help lift other women in business? So I think that we lift other women in business by helping them find their voice, their authentic voice, their real voice. And I love that. And and helping them to not be afraid to use it. Um and it it is hard, um, but it is necessary. And if if I can do anything in my life, if, if anybody looks back on my career or my, my real life, right. Or whatever I do in the future. Um, if that is what people think of me, that I helped somebody find their voice, um, and to use it in a way that is impactful, then I've, I've accomplished everything that I want to accomplish. Um, I think the other thing that we can do um, to lift 
other women up is is in the power of networking and susan you are you are the the master of networking you are my hero of networking <laughs> um, but strong networks are really important and they don't need to be all you know female networks i'm not right. i'm not saying that right but what i'm saying is bring people into your network introduce them right um open uh, their eyes to different um, to different people, to diversity of thought, to diversity of experience. Yes. Because the more we have that diversified view of the world, um, again, the more we are empowered, the more we are lifting others up and we can lift ourselves up. Um, funny enough, when I, when I, recruit have recruited in the past um you know i i've been managing people for long enough to know uh, my strengths and weaknesses as a manager and you know one of the things that i say to people all the time and i say it to everybody is um my role in this endeavor is um is is actually pretty simple right so i can't climb the ladder for you. Um, I can't, I can't, I can't do anything really for you. It doesn't do you any good, right? Like if I, I climb the ladder, you, you haven't done anything, but I will stand here and I will cheerlead and I will give you tools and I will give you encouragement. If you need me to, I will hold your hand. Uh, I will stand below you and push you up that ladder. Um, because that's, that to me is is the best thing that any manager or leader can do is to let people find themselves and find that success in themselves and that success can be something teensy and it can be something huge it doesn't matter so allison i need to speak to that because that is both of those examples are very good examples of how we can um actually you gave three all <laughs> very good examples the networking, every, everything that you said is very powerful. And I want to say two things about the three things you just said. Um, men, men are as much a part of this as anyone. If I do what I do just with women, what good is that? I'm in a vacuum. I'm in a, an echo chamber. I'm preaching to the choir. So I love that you said this is men and women need to be involved in helping to lift women and those mm -hmm. who haven't had the opportunities. So I welcome men. I have allies um, on my show and I let them share their voice and how they sponsor women, which is different than mentoring. Mm -hmm. And that's very powerful. Another thing I wanna say about the three things you just said, um, networking. Yes, networking is meaningful. Um, I have a trusted network that spans this nation. And if I recommend someone to them or that they should meet someone for coffee or you know, I ask them, you know, you know, love and trust me, right? I would never affiliate someone with you or your reputation or your firm or your company reputation if I didn't believe it would be of benefit to both of you. So I then ask people to three things. You either advise, hire, or refer this person that I'm connecting you with. Um, and it's worked well for me all my life. It's been my personality. It's been how um, I have found success is to connect with others and don't be afraid to be your open, authentic self. Um, so I think you and I are on the same page there. 
the last thing and most important thing I want to say about the three things you mentioned in how we can support other women in business is the latter analogy. What a powerful analogy. And I don't know if you've read recently, but only last week did McKinsey come out with their annual report of women in the workplace 2019. And the findings show that we are moving the needle. Women are, are getting more positions um, than they had before. However, the problem that still exists is the bottom rung of the ladder. So mm -hmm. we get into um, the position, we might get stuck at manager and never get to go higher than that. And that's been uh, a problem we've seen for years. And you're you know, solution to that with giving them a boost, holding out your hands, propping them up, pushing them up that ladder, teaching them. That's insanely amazing that you use that example. And I love it because that's where we need it most, at least according to the study McKinsey put out. And um, you can read about that folks in the Wall Street Journal. You can actually go straight to leanin.org or to McKinsey and look up that recent report. It's very powerful. And what Allison just said is quite a good solution. Uh, giving them that boost on the first, the lower rung of the ladder. They call it the missing rung or the broken rung. And I mm. can't believe you used that example. That's just so <laughs> spot on. No wonder you are where you are. <laughs> well, I don't know. You That's know, terrific. I, you know, and the, the interesting thing is, you know, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, everything I've ever done has, has been successful, right? Like uh, I'm, you I'm are. a work in progress. Um, right i've 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 failed at things um i don't always practice what i preach because i'm human um i've gotten caught into you know in situations that i didn't know how to navigate and didn't have that mentor or sponsor at the time which is why i so firmly believe in that and try to be that for other people. Um, you know, sometimes I, I haven't lived up to my own values. Um, but, you know, when, when, I have, when I have not succeeded, when I have failed, when I have let other people down, um, I try to be reflective to figure out what could have I done better. Um, I, I own I own those mistakes. They they're mine, um, and it's up to me to fix them. And if I can't figure out how to fix them, then I need to turn to my trusted network and my advisors for insight into how I might have handled a situation differently. And I say that's a, I want to thank you for sharing. That's a vulnerability that I see as a strength that you're willing to be honest, not just about most things in life, but about your own faults and failures and missteps. That's incredible. And what a good, good, again, leader trait that is. Um, you definitely have many leader traits that I think you're too humble to embrace, but I'm going to tell you, I, I, I'm a Leo. I'm not afraid to say I know what a leader, leader trait is, and I recognize many leader traits in you. One of those is being able to openly admit when you've made a mistake or a misstep and ask for help in fixing it when you need help. So bravo to you. And that is actually the perfect segue to my next question, if you don't mind sharing. Um, what has been your biggest challenge or setback and how did you overcome it? Well, 
You know, I, I have to be honest and say that my biggest challenge and setback has occurred recently where I took a job and did not succeed at that job. And um, a number of things led to that. One is that um, I didn't listen to my own inner voice well enough um, in, in the process of choosing the role. And that is something that I will never do again. That, that little voice in your head that, that, that sometimes you have to listen to that, that voice. What is it? Jiminy Cricket or whatever. I always listen to that voice. Yeah. Well, no, I always hear it. I don't know that I always eat it. Right. Exactly. I hear it, but you know, sometimes circumstances are such that you might tell that little voice to shut up. (laughs) Just go forward, right? Shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. I, I, I know. You're like, not this time. No, right. no, not this time. Exactly. This time it will be different. Yeah. Right. Well, right. That happens. Um, the other part of that is that, so I had a friend who used to always say, fail fast, fix faster. Oh, I love that. Right. I think the fall fast might be like a a Steve Jobs thing. I don't even know where it came from, but the fix faster. Um, And every time that I've had a setback, I've, I've gotten into a loop where I didn't fix it fast enough. And this most recent situation is one of those. I didn't turn to my network. I didn't follow my own advice and speak to people who might have been able to make things better. And when I finally did, it was too late. So big learning moment, right? One, uh, practice what you preach. Take your own advice, right? Whatever. Eat your own dog food. Um, (laughs) Whatever whatever the expression you would like to use. Drink your own dirty martini. Yeah, exactly. exactly. (laughs) Uh, uh, And then don't beat yourself up. Say that one again because that's super powerful. Right? Don't beat yourself up. Because I can be the queen of beating myself up. And at some point, I realized that it is absolutely counterproductive. I have no power to change the past. I only have the power to affect what's happening today and to make plans for the future. my Manzama team, if any of them listen to this, will laugh because I used to always say, control our controllables. We can right. only control that which is within our control, right? And, um, but you know, we're all human. I'm human. And I, it's easy to ruminate. And then you wake up and you go, oh my goodness, this is just silly. So don't beat yourself up because you can't move forward if you're doing that. Exactly. It's paralysis right there. So I want to tell you, it'll make you feel better. Perhaps 
I think you're feeling fine now, but we, we have anyone who is a feeler and is lives a conscious life and is mindful of each and every moment in their day has been where you are with that and has um, beaten themselves up. And, and that advice, don't do it. You know, you're going to have to repeat it again and again. It's a mantra mm -hmm. because we're not all good at that. We do it. Um, but along those lines, I want to tell you that I ignored this little voice in me. This little voice was so strong in me that one day this little voice made me write a letter of resignation three months into a new job and I did not submit it. And a year and a half later, I was like, you know, I should have listened to that little voice. And I found that letter of resignation on my computer not too long ago. And I looked at the date on there and I actually chuckled and laughed to myself and thought, you know what? I didn't listen to the little voice inside. Yeah, and you know what you said you were a Leo, so I'm I'm a Virgo and and I don't know how much stock I put into all of this stuff, but I certainly exhibit traits that people associate with Virgo, right? So I'm I, I can be just a bit of a perfectionist. Um I like order in my life, right? And um I like to think that I have some control over things. And so um, even when that little voice was getting louder and louder, I kept thinking, I can, I, can, I can do this if I just do X or I just do Y. And, you know, sometimes you can't, you just can't, and it's okay. And if I've learned anything over these last few months, it's, it's to be okay with that and that things happen for a reason. Um, I have gotten pretty zen, or maybe it's karma. I don't know what the right thing to say is, but things do happen for a reason. And this situation has made me really mindful about what makes me happy, what brings me joy at work, what I want to do, and above all, who I want to do it with. I love and, that. Uh, so it's, it's, it's just been a really interesting learning experience for me. Don't you think that this, uh, what could have been considered a negative situation, but I don't believe there is any bad situation. You, you win or learn, never lose. So this mm -hmm. situation made it possible for you to, uh, we call it um, self-actualization in Buddhism, where you reflect and you learn from and listen to and then learn to be mindful of where you are right now and be grateful for what you have, who you are, who you know right now. And then you take all that good stuff you learned from that negative situation and you apply it to what's next. And I think that's what you just described. And I think that's a very healthy, wonderful, beautiful uh, lesson learned and that you're going to be a, an even you're an awesome person now but you'll be an even better person because of the lessons learned well I'll tell you one thing it's given me um, is even more empathy you know so yes. I, I've always I've always believed in you know workplaces you know need more empathy generally right and compassion and understanding of each other and and life actually needs more empathy <laughs> more compassion i agree 
right? And, and, and kind of meeting people where they live and finding common ground. Um, and this situation over these last few months has so reinforced that for me, right? It just so reinforced it that um, everybody has everybody has something to give. Right. Everybody has something you can, can learn. Everybody has something to, to teach you. If we open ourselves up to that, to that possibility. I agree. I love that. that it, so uh, you've probably heard me say, listen with empathy and not judgment. And mm -hmm. there are academic papers, actually scholarly papers on that, um, the power of empathy. And, you know, I know quite a few of you in our industry and in my smaller circle who behave that way. You do listen with empathy and not judgment. And you know what? You're successful. You're surrounded by people who believe they can do it who are grateful for everything they have and who they are. And I like being in that circle. I like being with friends who are um, empathetic and, and don't judge others because judgment honestly is a sign of fear. So we can, we can behave out of love and act with empathy and just understand, well, that's that person's language. It may not be mine or that's where mm -hmm. that person's coming from. Or we can act out of fear and say, I'm not curious about the other, or I don't like the other because the other is different than I. So I love that you just said that. That is very powerful. What a great, great, great way to um, come to a close on our conversation. I do want to make sure that people can have a, a piece of Allison Nussbaum, just like we had here today. If they want to reach you, email you, call you, how do they reach you? What if they want to offer you a, a, an opportunity to lead their team? Because I'll tell you what, if I had a bigger company, you'd be a team leader here. I think that the best way to reach me these days is via LinkedIn. Awesome. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm very open to connecting on LinkedIn and to meeting new people via LinkedIn, uh, learning more about what other people do. So please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Well, I will share all of this information, folks, in a blog. You know that I write a blog, and then I sync the podcast into the blog. I will share um, a few pictures of, of Allison so that, that you can connect with her on that level as well. And I'll put her LinkedIn link so that you can find her on LinkedIn. Allison, you know, I love you to pieces, and I thank you so much for your vulnerability and your honesty and your leadership. And I thank you so much for sharing things that some might not, you know, be so open to sharing. And by doing so, you're giving permission to others to do the same. Well, Susan, right back at you. I, I so value um, your friendship and your counsel and the fact that you have opened yourself up to relationships with people from really every walk of life and i think that you know you're you're a role model in that way in the way that you connect with people um, and it is always through empathy and compassion and uh, i really appreciate this opportunity and i've enjoyed this conversation so much so thank you very very much you're so sweet you're so sweet so this whole podcast 
There have been times where my eyes have welled up. There have been times where my cheeks were burning because you make me laugh. And then there's this time where I'm blushing. So that's not, that's not easy to do to make a Leo blush. Um, <laughs> but thank you. Thank you so much. So folks, thank you so much for listening. Have a great day and look forward to the blogcast within 48 hours.